BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, how old are you in your head? Jennifer Sr. is 53 in real life, but she says she's 36 in her head. And she's not alone. Adults over 40 often perceive themselves to be, on average, about 20% younger than their actual age. Why is it that we can feel a discrepancy between our real age and our so-called subjective age? Sr. explores this in the April issue of The Atlantic, and with us right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. When Jennifer Sr. asked her 76-year-old mother, how old are you in your head? Sr. thought the question might sound a bit odd. But her mom answered right away and told her 45. That so many of us have an immediate intuitive grasp of the concept of a subjective age made Senior curious, and her new piece in The Atlantic explores why people over the age of 25 often think of themselves as younger than they are. How old are you in your head, listener, compared to how old you really are and why? You can tell us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum by calling 866-733-6786 or by emailing forum at kqed.org. Jennifer Sr., always glad to have you on Forum. Welcome back. Oh, my God. I love talking to you. And your show is great. How are you doing? I'm doing. How old are you? Oh, my God. I am 46. And in my head, I feel like I'm 70-something. Oh, my God. So you go but the you, other way. No, you know what? Actually, you clarified it for me when I was reading your piece. And you said, what did you say? You said, it's not how you feel physically. And I think when I was reading your piece, I had a cold. I lost my voice last week. And I was feeling very, very like older than I am and probably being very ageist about what 70-year-olds feel like. Yeah, I don't think they just feel like they have a cold, although if they're lucky, that might be, you know, I, it depends. Uh, I have long COVID. I'm on month eight and a half. And so I have to say, it has in some weird way slightly recast this. I mean, I still have a psychological age that remains stubbornly at 36. But if you ask me how I felt, how old I felt, I would give a different answer than I would have given before I you know, develop this condition. I mean, and they are distinct 
questions, you know, uh, and that was something that I was sort of hunting for as I was doing the research for this thing. I'm really bored by the question, like, how old do you feel? Which gerontologists have been asking since the 70s. And that yields like a whole other body of data. I was much more interested in how old are you in your head, which is not the same idea at all. Yes, it is not the same idea at all. And I was curious how you even began to wonder about subjective age in the first place, to even ask your mom that question about how old she is in her head. And I do have to say, I've also wondered if it was informed at all by the fact that you have long COVID. I, I really enjoyed and appreciated your piece that you did on long COVID and, and etiquette around long COVID and so on. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I thought an etiquette guide was really in order. Um, I think, um, like, just for your listeners, don't ever ask if we're getting better because we're not. It is a chronic disease. Anyway, so uh, what would I say about that? No, I don't think I, I asked the question on Twitter when I was very like bored and stuck in bed. I said to everybody, how old are you in your head? But I had been thinking about this for years. I think it was in part because a friend of mine casually tossed off a comment to me where she said that she wasn't ready to be old. And I mm. thought that was interesting. Um, and I think one of the mistakes that young people make is thinking that older people are ready to be old. I think a really catastrophic mistake that young people make is thinking that older people are ready, ready to, to die, to, 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 leave, to, to leave here. You know, and we like being here, you know, um, and 80 year olds like being here. No one's really ready to quit. Um, I mean, unless life is hard for them and they really want to go. But um, I think also in part, I thought about it because a friend of mine said something so memorable. He said that when he looked in the mirror, he wasn't so much depressed. He's almost 60 as he felt like he was staring at a mistake. He felt like there was some kind of system error that like the image staring back at him just in no way corresponded to how old he felt. And it was at that point that I thought, what is it that, that there is suddenly this giant gulf running between how old we are and how old we believe ourselves to be? I mean, I don't think of myself as being taller or having straighter hair or anything like that. And I know where my body is in space at all times, but I do think of myself as being younger. And it just got me, you know, it, it, it triggered a reverie. I started thinking about it and started making phone calls about it and asking. I think I started with somebody who lives, who's in your neck of the woods, Laura Carsonson, who runs the Center for Longevity out in Stanford. She's always good for a talk. And so I asked her this question and she yeah. sort of got me going. Yeah. Well, this idea of it feels like a system error, A, why does it feel like a system error? And B, around what age do you find yourself gravitating to in your head? And right. one of the things that I was struck by were the commonalities between people's answers, that it would be around a time when kind of, I think you put it this way, the broad contours of their life, right, were known. They, they had reached this certain point where maybe some major life questions had been answered and then they were ready to kind of start living that way. And filling them in. Like it's that the contours are known, but your life hasn't yet become boring. There's still anticipation and potential associated with the age that you go back to. So I think that's true for a lot of people where kind of potential and competence 
are in equipoise. So you don't feel so young that you're helpless and you don't know what you're doing. And you don't feel so old that you're out thoroughly bored by what you're up to. Um, it's that sweet spot where you still have a lot to anticipate, but you know that you're pretty good at things. Um, maybe you've started parenting, but you're not yet in the weeds with parenting. You've started your marriage, but you're not yet in that kind of, you're not like on exit 40 of the gray turnpike of like mid-marriage where like everything is known and predictable. I mean, I think there's a lot of that stuff. Um, but there are other kinds of answers. I mean, some people gave very poignant answers saying that they were locked in at an age where they had had a trauma, for mm. instance, and hadn't been able to outgrow it. Um, some people would tell me that it was a positive thing. They would say that they were... Um, like my colleague, um, Molly Jung-Fast, said she's 19 because that's the age that she got sober, which is a lovely thing. It's an age of rebirth for her. Um, so it's sort of the opposite of trauma. It's like when you're born anew. Um, I did a less thorough job looking at the people who are old souls. Most people are not. Most people, once they're north of the age of 40, shave 20% off of their age if they live in the United States or Europe. Um, they shave less off if they are in Africa or if they are in Asia, um, which may have something to do with the fact that there is more reverence for the aged there. Um, there are all sorts of hypotheses about why that might be the case. And then if you are south of 25, you imagine yourself as older. Um, and that makes sense for anybody who's had even a passing acquaintance with a young person. You know, young people make, they want to be older. They think of themselves as older. They mistakenly presume all kinds of competences that they do not have. And it's utterly hilarious. If you are a parent of a teenager as I am, like you can't get over how funny that is time and time again. Um, you know, stuff like that. Why is 25 the crossover? <laughs> Yeah, it's such a great question. I mean, as a developmental matter, it's when your prefrontal cortex stops developing. So, like, I do think that's funny. I mean, rental car companies have it right. Like, they won't give you a car unless you're 25. <laughs> um, there's also something called the reminiscence bump. And the same guy, this is really interesting. In fact, this kind of blew my doors off. Um, the guy who found that we shave 20% off of our ages once we reach the age of 40 he is the same guy who discovered the reminiscence bump. He's very interested in how we think about our age. What he discovered is that the densest collection of our memories tends to be between the ages of 15 and 25. So if you survey like grownups and you just say, tell me, and you give them a word to associate to, like music, they're going to name a band that they listened to when they were between the ages of 15 and 25. Probably. If you ask them about, like, people just have a disproportionate number of memories between the ages of 15 and 25 because a lot of first things happen to you around those ages. So maybe we tend to gravitate backwards toward that age when we just have all of these kind of intoxicating firsts, like first kiss, first independence, first sexual kind of awakenings first jobs. I don't know. First time that we're living without the watchful gaze of our parents. I don't know. You could hypothesize in all kinds of ways, but that's one. 
Well, I love that there's also a guy who <laughs> looked at this. Like, did you think there like, would be a study? A guy? <laughs> like one dude? Like, no, I did not. And it, it's actually him and his collaborator who lives <laughs> sure. in the Netherlands because, of course, the, the, the Dutch think about this because, you know, they're, they're invested in thinking about the quality of life and they have, you know, research money to investigate this. I just love that, like, the Dutch are into this. But, um, yeah, and then it's a guy at Duke. And that guy, that guy has done so much work. He, in fact, has also looked at a lot of work on trauma and age, like that we get locked in at the age of our traumas and this, the centrality of certain events in our lives and how they might define or over-define or over-determine um, our self-concepts. So um, this guy's name is David Rubin. I don't know why I keep referring to him as this guy. He's very nice. <laughs> he has a name and it's David Rubin and he's a Jew. Well, he's well a I just love that subjective age is enough of a thing that you could it's a find thing. data and research on it. That's what I was so struck by. Yeah, no, I know. I, I was uh, kind of blown away that it had a name, that it's a silo in, in social science. Um, a lot of the research is terrible, just as a PS, like as so much of it is. It's predictable. It's silly. Um, what I loved about David Rubin and his uh, co-collaborator in the Netherlands, um, Dorta Bernstein or something, I don't know, it has a very Dutch name. She, um, they asked the question right. They said, how old are you inside? Which is different from how old do you feel? Right. Because how old you feel is how old your knees and back are telling you you are, or mm -hmm. how old I feel because I have long COVID. But it's different from how old are you in your head, right? I, I do think that's different. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That's what well, we've say. gotten some comments already that reflect some of the things you've already said. Like the renewal point, Barbara writes, in my head, I am 37, much younger than my real age. That's how old I was when a long-standing and limiting health condition was resolved and my life opened up and restarted. Will writes, I'm 49, but I think I'm 23. I like to think it's because it's the age before I had to decide what I do and what it means I'm still up and that it means I'm still up for anything. But it could also be because I had decided what I wanted to do. And now I just want to start over and do a better job. We'll have more about the age in your head after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply, not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking with Jennifer Sr., Atlantic staff writer, who is 53 in real life, but in her head she's 36. And in her new piece for The Atlantic, she explores why, for so many of us, there's, there's a discrepancy between our real age and our subjective age. 
And uh, you can join the conversation, listeners. How old are you in real life? And how old are you in your head? In your head, are you younger than your real age? Older than your real age? Why do you think that is? Has there been a life event, maybe a traumatic one or a joyous one that has changed how old you think of yourself as? Maybe an event that gave you a paradigm shift. We often hear that the pandemic has affected people's perceptions of their age. If that's you, tell us why. Email forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum. Call us at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. This listener writes, my real age is 27, but I find myself answering 23 when people ask my age before correcting myself. That was a particular eventful year for me. I graduated from college, got my first full-time job, lived on my own for the first time. My day-to-day -day life has remained pretty similar since then, so I must be attached to the last period of major change and growth. However, when I actually interact with people who are 23, I definitely notice that they're in a different place in life than me. It makes me think that the 23-year-old in my head is pretty different from real life 23 year olds. Ah, that's so interesting. Um, <laughs> there was a point when you did talk about, you know, once you interact with somebody who you see yourself as, <laughs> like the age, the, the, like if you interact with a 36 year old, you kind of realize that maybe your idea of the 36 year old uh, in your head is not actually what 36 year olds are like, or that the 36-year-old definitely does not see you as 36. Yes, she she just wrote with better precision than I did the, uh, about the humbling and kind of um, existentially bizarre kind of moment that you have there. I, this happens all the time. I'll be 53. I'll be talking to somebody who I think a 30-something, and I will be thinking we are the same age. And then they will say something that is so it's inadvertently, but it's so hurtful and it makes so clear that they, I may as well be like Dame Judy Dench or like Maggie Smith. And then, you know, it's so funny. I was rewatching a room with a view the other day and uh, Judy Dench and Maggie Smith both filmed that when they were about 50 years old, they were younger than me. So these two women have been playing dowagers for 38 <laughs> years. Wow. And if you Ask me, am I a dowager? I mean, I've got a 15 year old son. I dress like I'm a summer camp counselor. I do not think of myself as a dowager. <laughs> I have like a bathroom full of unguents that I'm like slathering on my face. I mean, I, 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 there is just no way. There is such, it's so disruptive to my self conception to think of myself as 53. I mean, so yeah, I, I think that you're, this writer is onto something. I also think it's interesting that she has almost shaved, like she has shaved exactly 20% off of her age, right? She's 27. She's done 4.6 years. That makes her 23, roughly. And she went back to the last major pivot in her life. And we all do that. I think we rewind the tape, not all of us. I think it's very common to rewind the tape to the last big life change so that we can relive it, so that we can unfall the dominoes, so that we can have that exciting stretch ahead again. But the thing is, we have the wisdom of somebody who's 27 or 53 or whatever we, age we ask, actually are. So we're not really that age. Yeah. We aren't really. 
But you don't think that it is informed by a fear of getting older or that we live in a pretty ageist country and and subconsciously want to fight that stigma. And that's why we often think of ourselves as younger. Yeah, that, I mean, that was a go-to answer in a lot of the social science papers I read. And I'm sure there is something to that, that we internalize a certain kind of ageism and that we have this youth fetish and that has to be right. And it would explain why in Asia and in Africa, where there's more respect for the elderly, um, people don't shave as many years off their lives, although they still do. They still have an internal age that by and large is younger than what they are. Um, but I think there's also an optimistic way of reading it, which is that we think of ourselves as people with potential, right? That we, I, I think of myself as 36 because I still think that I have one or two or three interesting career pivots left, you know, that I can do other stuff. I don't think I'm done, you know? Uh, and so, and I don't think the contours of my career are yet totally, um, aren't crystal clear. I, um, at 49, I was, I didn't work. They didn't give me the proper infrastructure for it. But at 49, I was hired to be um, a podcaster at the New York Times Opinion. And they gave me one, you know, a producer part-time when what I needed was a team of like eight producers. But um, I mean, somebody looked at me at 49 and thought that I had the energy to actually do that. And I still think I have the energy to do that. You know, like I would still think that I could do something else in my life, you know? Uh, so I, I'm a little reluctant to say, oh, it's just ageism, yeah. you know, <laughs> that it's just that. I mean, I still feel like I've got some generative years. Uh, there's something else, which is I deferred having a kid. I, I didn't get pregnant until I was 37. So I do not think of myself as being the same 53 that my mother's cohort at 53 was. And someone recently kind of blew my doors off by telling me that um, Carol O'Connor and Gene Stapleton were in their 40s when they played the bunkers. And I, I mean, if you had held a gun to my head, I would have said that they were in their 60s, right? Yeah. And that they had like dusty stacks of, you know, of AARP magazine, like sitting in the corners of their house. I would never have said that they were in their 40s. And that Meathead was like, I mean, I just wouldn't have said that. I just wouldn't have. Yeah, that, that's such an interesting point. The the stages in life that previous generations did things are very yes. different from the stages and the ages that we are when we are doing things as this generation. And yeah, so that can often feel like, sure, we're not that. We're 53, but we're not that 53 of a generation I'm not my mom's ago. 53. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But I also love your earlier point, which is you were saying that it's not so much wanting to be younger isn't so much a reaction to just not wanting to grow old or, or the stigma of growing old, but that it can be a reflection of just seeing ourselves as full of potential with something to contribute, you know, with a lot of life pivots left to go. And that seeing ourselves that way and seeing ourselves younger, maybe it comes out as seeing ourselves younger, is actually a really healthy thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and I will say, and here is the sort of the proof and what's interesting. There is evidence suggesting that if you see yourself as younger, um, you will age better. And there's evidence that if you have a favorable view of aging, you will age better. And what mm -hmm. they have in common, they seem to be mutually incompatible, but you could think of them as being complementary because what they have in common is that they both think, in each instance, you think of yourself as useful. 
Like if you're older and you have a positive attitude toward aging, you think I have a lot to contribute as an older person. I've got wisdom, I've got self-acceptance, um, I've got, I don't know what else you've got, but you know, stuff to pass along to the younger generation. And if you think of yourself as younger in your head for good reasons, it might be, hey, I still have a lot of kick left in me. You know, I, I, I still think that like, I am competent, but not dull. Because my life is not yet boring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and let me go to... Let me go to some calls. We've got a lot coming in. Let me go to Ann and Martinez. Hi, Ann. You're on. Hi. How are you today? I'm well. Sounds sounds like you're doing okay. I'm uh, I'm 82, and I spend most of my days after when after school gets out with teenagers, and I love it. I just love it, and I love doing the same things that they do. Uh, I'm I'm not very good at playing soccer anymore, but you know I love to I love to play. Think of singing. I was a singer at one point in my life, pretty good one too, and and now I can't sing very well because I can't hear very well. But you know, I think we all have to find a place in our in our inside person of where we want to be and where I want to be is with people who are young and learning and forming and doing Mm -hmm. exciting things. And, and it's important that we know that they're not, they don't make me tired. They make me, they make me interesting. Oh, I love that, Anne. And it sounds like you're still learning and forming too. So that's so cool. Let me go to caller Ariel in Oakland next. Hi, Ariel. You're on. Hi. Thanks for this wonderful show. Um, I just wanted to say, as a as a black woman, you know, there's a kind of a black doesn't crack, and you know, kind of an emphasis on how we continuously look young, and that can feed in, I think, to some of that mentality. At least for me, I'm not speaking for everyone. Of, you know, I'm young. I'm, you know, I think you said 20%. I, I calculated I'm definitely in that, in that range. <laughs> I think about myself in my head. Um, but I think then as you get older, then you have some health issues that may bring you back to your actual age and kind of is a shock of like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I've got to get a mammogram. I can't believe I've got to go get a colonoscopy. Um, and then once you're kind of past that, then I find myself back into that. Like, I'm young. I'm, you know, I've got so much more potential. I think a lot of things that you've been talking about have um, have resonated with me. But yeah, just that kind of duality of you may look young, you may have all these young interests, but then sometimes you just kind of get yanked back into your own reality. Um, but it's easy to escape that in this you know culture that really prioritizes youth. Yeah. Well, Ariel, thanks so much for sharing that. There was that story, Jennifer, about going to your high school reunion and seeing people, how they've allowed themselves to become so lined and thickened. And then you look at the photo of yourself (laughs) at that reunion and you're like, oh yeah, whoops, totally startling myself right now. I'm one of them. Oh my God. I I will say this. I think that the most recent one that I went to, the women looked so much better than the men. I think there was this, um, you know, I, I don't know what this whole thing is about how men age more gracefully, not in my high school. But um, yeah, I, I think that we all have this kind of disjuncture again. And your last caller was just saying this, that like you are suddenly rudely um, kind of awakened by these like, oh, I've got to go for a mammogram. I've got to go for a colonoscopy. And then you kind of go about your life. And as I've, I've been saying this, that, you know, the mistake that the young make is thinking that um, the older are ready to be old and we're not ready to be old. 
like we're just not at all ready to be old. I mean, I think Philip Larkin, how did he describe our existence? He called it the the million petaled flower of being here. And you know, you 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 reach eighty, and there are a lot of petals left to go. You know, I mean, like it's not like people want. And your your caller who at eighty two wanted to hang out with seventeen year olds. I mean. If I had a nickel for everyone on Twitter who, after this story, told me that they dropped off their mom at assisted living and their mom looked at them and said, please get me out of here. It's filled with old people. I'd be a rich woman. I mean, I heard that a lot. And so I love that that caller was like hanging out with 17 year olds. Right. I mean, that's 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 one way to handle it. Yeah. Well, Andrea writes, I and many of my friends have said this too. We keep forgetting that I'm anything older than 30 because that's how old I was at the start of the pandemic. I'm 30 in my head, about to turn 33 in real life, and I blame COVID for all of it. I've kind of heard this phenomenon where people do feel like they were sort of suspended in time in COVID that these years that got added oh. during the COVID years are not fair. <laughs> totally. And I wrote about that, that it's a time thief, that people don't feel like enough happened to them to justify the advancement of their chronological age. Like they didn't leave, live three full years. They were constrained years they were I mean in some parts of the country they did I think this might actually vary according to you know if, if you lived in Ron DeSantis's Florida it's possible you were out partying the entire time I don't know um you know I lived in the northeast where we were taking you know the kind of um sheltering in place stuff pretty seriously and you know I mean I, I just didn't feel like I was accumulating that many experiences and since having long COVID I really feel like I've you know led um I mean, my life has kind of shrunk to the size of a teacup, you know, and I can't believe that the years are, I'm still, the, the odometer keeps rolling forward, but, you know, I'm not doing things that one associates with an odometer moving forward. So I think that that happens too. And illness can do that to you. All kinds of things can do that to you. I, I did want to ask you about that, that, Jennifer. I was so curious if having long COVID really informed a this piece that you wrote, but also if I've been saying all this time that you're 36 in your head, do you still feel 36 in your head? I did when I was writing it because I write for a monthly magazine. Um, you know, I wrote it some time ago and it's only now come out. Um, my long COVID has gotten worse. And so I'm not sure if I would give that answer anymore. And it does show the ways that, you know, your internal self-concept and your psychological age and your physical age do at some point intersect, inevitably they have to. Um, I don't know if it was what motivated me. I, I think what motivated me was my friend's very raw, very real comment saying that she just wasn't ready to get old. And shortly after that, um, this other friend of mine who was on the verge of turning 60 said to me that he just looked in the mirror and thought that there'd been some kind of mistake. And, um, I had not yet, I don't think, gotten COVID, much less long COVID. So I think that this had been kicking around in the back caverns of my head for a while. I, I probably wrote it partially with long COVID in my rattling around in my head, partially out of boredom. Like I said, I sort of tweeted it 
you know, when I was confined to bed, I said, how old are you in your head? Just because I, I couldn't do much, you know? Yeah. So the answers started, started rolling in. Um, and I thought I'll write about this. And then I got even sicker. So I couldn't write about it for a while. And um, I don't know, it, it's an, it's hard for me to think through. And, you know, I'm in some kind of state of denial where I'm really still not, I haven't fully wrapped my arms around how bad my long COVID is and mm. sort of the way it might've reshaped and misshaped my life and might in the future. I'm still stubbornly clinging to the idea that maybe I'll return to some kind of baseline. And it's really not clear I ever will. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And then of course we adjust to things, you know, we adjust. That's the other thing. I mean, we are remarkable in that we do eventually kind of get used to anything, you know? So maybe I'm just still in denial, but we'll eventually get used to my new, um, compromised way of living. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, knowing how unpredictable long COVID can be. You said something early on where you said, don't ask people if they're doing, don't ask people with long COVID, are you doing any better? And I just wanted to give you a chance to explain why, like, how does that make you feel? Oh, yeah, thank you. And thank you for sort of just briefly segueing into this. I know that's not what the show is, but um, people assume, they go, so you must be better right now. Or uh, we last connected like a couple of months ago. I'm surely you're better. Um, or my mother in the beginning was writing me daily. Any improvement? Any improvement? And it was driving me mad. Um, and it was making me feel like a failure um, because it's a chronic disease. No one knows what causes it. Um, I mean, they know that, cause, that COVID started it, but no one actually knows if it's fragments of the spike protein still zooming around your system or if it's inflammation or if it's some kind of autonomic response. So, you know... Um, I now have something entirely independent and separate. I don't have COVID. I'm not recovering from COVID. I have long COVID. And it's a separate suite of uncontrolled symptoms. Yeah. We're talking with Jennifer Sr. Well, talking about our long COVID, but also why experiences like that or the pandemic or even trauma can freeze us in time. The discrepancy many of us feel between our real age and our subjective ages. And we'll have more with Senior and with you right after the break. Listeners, join us with your stories of how old you feel in real life or and how old you feel in your head. Or you are in your head, I should say. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're exploring this hour the discrepancy between our real age and our subjective age, the age we are and the ages in our heads. We're exploring it with Atlantic staff writer Jennifer Sr. And you, our listeners, are also sharing your own experiences with us. Just a few more on the pandemic, since we were just talking about that a moment ago. The sister tweets, the pandemic halted my kid's age in my mind. There's still three and a newborn. Imagine how shocked I am at having a kindergartner and a talking newborn. Another listener writes, Viola, I am 55 and between 30 and 50, I felt 30. But the last five years between a couple of health scares, the pandemic and my mother passing away, I suddenly feel my age. Let me go to Ricardo in Fremont. Hi, Ricardo, you're on. Hello. Yeah. Uh, I, hi. Uh, I'm, I'm 58 years old. I feel like I'm in my 20s, even my teens sometimes. Um, I crack a lot of jokes. I, sometimes I'll ride my skateboard down the hill, you know, and, you know, the ladies will say, the older ladies will say, put a helmet on as I'm whizzing by. <laughs> but one thing that's pretty sobering is when I see my security cameras and <laughs> I see myself and I say, yeah, now you're an old guy. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> you're, you're ain't 20. <laughs> it's a very sobering experience to see yourself on video. Uh, and it doesn't, uh, correspond with what, you know, what my mind thinks, which is that I'm in my twenties. I'm cracking jokes all the time. I saw a bunch of kids playing soccer the other day and I felt like I wanted to join in and play with them because they were yeah. laughing and having such a good time. Things like that. Uh, yeah. maybe I'm just immature. I don't know. No, Anyways, I don't think my, so. Uh, Unless we all are, Ricardo, because it is hard to see myself in a video. Um, Another listener writes here, I remember poking around in a record store when I was in my late 30s and said to the person working in the shop, who was maybe 25, something about an album being of our generation. He looked at me so strangely, and I caught myself. It was the first time I realized uh, I wasn't who I thought I was. Nothing, nothing better than having somebody who you're saying, hey, we're, you know, of our generation. And they look at you like you're uh, quite wrong. It's uh, Dame Judy Dench all over again. <laughs> Kim writes, I'm 62, but honestly, don't know how I got this old. I feel like I'm still in my 40s. The reason is because I've lived in the same apartment for 30 years. And though I've worked for myself for over 20 years, I never got married, had kids or bought a house. Those are all rites of passage into adulthood, and I never experienced them. And yeah, Jessica, that yeah, so, sorry, go ahead, Jennifer. No, no, sorry. I was just going to say, I've, I've heard that a lot, and I wish I'd uh, heard it before writing about my story. I think that those rites of passage matter a lot, and when people describe a certain kind of um, stasis in their life, um, it can mean that they are still, right, especially if they haven't had kids. I hear that frequently. I just wanted to toss that out there. That seems to be something that sort of rolls people forward a little bit. And uh, also your other caller saying that he felt like he was a teenager. I don't know what this means, Mina. I'm just going to toss it out to you. And I only have an N now of about 100 based on the people I've heard from on Twitter and friends and whatever. But all the guys I know keep saying they're teenagers. 
What is it with, yes, the women don't. But I, I can't tell you the number of men who've told me about feeling like they, like they were 16 or 12 for what that's worth. Yeah. Throwing well, out there. listener, if you're out there, another listener <laughs> out there who feels like they're a teen who's dude, <laughs> you can let us know why. Because I guess I can't yeah, really ex- explore with Ricardo why Ricardo might feel that way. Uh, but but we have had some questions about whether there are differences in how we perceive our mental age based on gender. And I think I do remember the study saying that that it was pretty common across genders that yep. people still feel, if they're over 40, younger than they are. But you're talking about the degree <laughs> to which they feel... Uh, or the degree of difference between the age that they are and the age that they feel based on gender, which is a whole nother area. Uh, yeah, and they were saying, they were insisting there was no difference. They were insisting that like it was roughly the same, that the 20% um, you know, uh, number figure uh, applied to both. But honestly, the feedback I've gotten has been so lopsided. I mean, lopsided to the point that, you know, when you're like on that ship that goes by the Statue of Liberty and everybody moves to migrates to one side of the ship so that it's listing way to that one side. I mean, that's what it feels like. It feels like a ship that is just lift listing completely to one side. I feel like the guys all say 16, 12, 17, 20, and the women have ages that are slightly higher. They really do. It's very interesting. Well, let me go to Petra in Oakland. Hi, Petra. You're on. Hi. Good morning. Um, I have two imaginary ages. I have one that's 14, but I was a time of trauma. And then I have 27. And I'm actually going to be 51 this year. And also, I wanted to thank the author that you made yourself so vulnerable about your long COVID. It was wonderful. You sound energetic and good. And you give people hope that there's not just one thing to you. You have long COVID or not, or you're sick or you're not, but you're just both, and it's amazing. Oh, what a generous thing to say. Thank you. What a generous and lovely. Thank you. Thank yeah. You Petra, thanks. And I love the fact that you have two ages. So I kind of joked earlier that when I was reading your piece initially, Jennifer, that um, that I was feeling older because I wasn't feeling great, and I was having this really wrongful association with age and how one feels. Uh, But when I did stop to really think about this in preparation for this conversation, I do feel like there are two ages that I have in my head. One was for a long time, I felt like I was eight. And that was because of a traumatic event at eight, right? Like my father passed away when I was eight. And it was just this really paradigm shifty moment where for a long time, I felt suspended um, in that experience. But then when I really think about it, and I think this gets to the point you were making about how at a certain point we feel like we've accumulated enough experiences um, that we know the contours of our, our lives. I would say that was when I was 34, right? So so I love Petra's point about being two ages. <laughs> and I got that a lot, by the way, in response to uh, later after the piece came out and I got this kind of cascade of replies online. Um, boy, was that common. And it's interesting for you that it sort of bifurcates that you've got number one, the age of a trauma and number two, the kind of more standard answer that I think of, right, which is like, that sort of potential incompetence living in equipoise. Um, I would hear things like, you know, I'm X when I uh, have to go to the doctor, but I am Y when I am skateboarding, 
you know, it, so I did get that a lot. I did. Yeah. Well, Clarice writes, I was renting a car in Manhattan. The clerk at Hertz turned the paperwork towards me so that I could review it. It had my age on it, and I pushed it back confidently, pointing out that there was an error in my age. It said I was 46, but in my mind, I was in my mid to late 30s. I was sure it was wrong until I realized it wasn't. Yeah, it seems like a mistake. A mistake. I love that. Jessica yeah. tweets, I'm an African-American woman and I'm 44 with no gray hair and fairly fit. It's easy to think I'm 35. And Sergio tweets, I'm 43 and I don't feel like an adult. I think it's because of my vocabulary. I'm a gamer and I don't like wearing suits. As a child, all the adults were wearing suits. <laughs> I heard from a lot of gamers. Gamers you were did? a big thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a thing. It is a thing. It was totally a thing. I, I think that there's a whole kind of culture. I've heard from gamers. I've heard from musicians, people who are, you know, uh, who have hobbies that skew young or who are in professions that skew young. And the I don't wear a suit. That's a thing. Although, you know what? Almost no one wears suits anymore. It's very uncommon to wear a suit, even in the professions where we think of suits as suits. Uh, not so much. Yeah, but um, ga gaming, I, I, that was a big that, that that dominated my timeline for a long time. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, the suits thing, because you're right. Again, maybe we're comparing ourselves to another generation and the what they look like at the age that we are now, <laughs> not right connecting. Now. Right. Um, this listener actually feels older in their head. This listener writes, I'm curious how many people feel they are older in their head and then their real age. I am turning 50 next year and feeling about 55 in my head. I have many fond memories of my older family members from my childhood, and I'm looking forward to being an older, an elder to my younger family members. How that's such, well, we didn't, we, we touched on this uh, and you said, yes, you didn't do a ton of exploring when people feel older in their head, but no. even looking at it briefly and hearing this person talking about looking forward to being an elder to my younger family members, do you have a sense of what some of the commonalities are among people who see themselves yes. as older? Now I do. And I, I wish I'd had it before writing. I think it would have been a better piece. Um, I think that when people have favorable associations with older people who kind of in some key way dominated their childhood, I think people who had very tight relationships with grandparents, they were influential in their lives. That's a big thing. If they were raised by older parents and they were closer to their older parents, I think that's a big thing. Um, this writer talked about like having you know positive relationships with older people. I think that that can often be it. I think also, I wonder if being a social loner might have something to do with it. I was a kid who um, felt much more comfortable around adults. I found the clickishness of little girls boring and alienating. When I was 25, I didn't like going to bars. When I was 27, I realized I liked the company of older people now that I was out and in the world. Um, I think that there are a lot of old souls out there and that it might just have something to do with the discomfort of being a kid, you know, that that could be part of it. Yeah. We're yeah. talking with Jennifer Senior, staff writer for The Atlantic. Her new piece appearing in the April issue of The Atlantic is The Age in Your Head, if you want to read more about what we're talking about today. I also do want to mention that her forthcoming book is On Grief, 
which features 20 Years Gone By, the Pulitzer Prize-winning and National Magazine Award-winning story, originally published in the Atlantic September 2021 issue about one family's search for meaning after the loss of their son on September 11th. 2001, of course. And and Jennifer Sr., I do remember that conversation that we had, and I I heard so much about that conversation um, from from listeners after we had it. So excited for your your new book. Thank you. And thank you for being one of the only people who actually had me on the radio. It, It became a big deal once it came out. You were one of the people who sort of figured out before it came out that maybe it had some potential, you know? Um, I mean, I think a lot of people went, oh, a September 11th story and didn't even read it, didn't even, you actually took the time and I really want to thank you for that. Like you, 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 yeah, that was one of the only pre-inter, like one of the only pieces of publicity I did for it until the thing was out there. and, And even then, you know, it's a funny thing. People just didn't really feel like talking about grief I mean, I feel like it could be given out like to people sitting Shiva and to people who have just buried somebody they love and, you know, to anybody in mourning. I feel like it is a universal story about grief. But you, I think, kind of grokked that really early. And I so it's one of the reasons that I just love your show and love talking to you. (laughs) Thanks, Jennifer. I'm so glad to hear that it that it had that impact. It definitely had a powerful impact on our our listeners. And uh, so let me just remind listeners, you are listening to Forum. (laughs) I'm Mina Kim. Uh, I want to read just a couple of other comments that that I think are so interesting and different. So Judd writes, my mind fluctuates between 25 and 30. In real time, I'm 80. My mind's body, its vehicle is different ages. My right hip is definitely 80 plus along with my (laughs) 80 year old 20% army disabled right knee. My left knee is 60. My overall average age is in the 50 to 55 range. I'm an artist still working on projects, riding my bike. I'm also still a jock in my mind. Wow. So different parts of Judd's body feels different ages. Well, he's also, he's carbon dating that. Well, not carbon dating. I mean, he's right. He's evaluating them piece by piece, but then he's still got a mental age. He still has this self-concept as a jock. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to make him younger. Well, Annie writes, I'm 42, but in my head, I'm about 37 because my age started to feel a little surreal as it's ticked up after that, except sometimes I wonder if maybe I'm 60 since I seem to like to hang out with 60 year olds a lot. But if I'm with my parents, I'm easily 19 again. And if I'm with old friends, I sometimes forget that I'm not 28, which makes me really know I'm 42 the next morning. Yeah, you can't do a full bottle of wine anymore at that age. Yeah. Um, you can't split it with a friend. It, it, the fluidity of our ages is really striking. That's what I'm getting from this kind of conversation. Uh, all the feedback here, the fluidity is, is, is striking to me. You can be 19. You can be – your knee can be 12, can be 60. You can be 28 with friends. And, I, I mean, it's just – it's all over the place, isn't it? And why we aren't – like, we always know where we are in space, Right. We always know where our bodies are in space. I don't in my mind's eye think of myself as being shorter or taller, yet our ages are are unmoored. It's crazy. Yeah, really interesting. Well, Farida in Pleasanton wants to join the convo. Farida, you're on. Hello. Uh, Thank you for taking my call, Veena. It's good to be here. I've tried many times and I'm very happy that I'm here finally. This is an interesting topic for me. (laughs) 
Uh, I immigrated to this country uh, 23 years back, exactly around the same time in uh, spring. And at this point, I've lived in the United States almost the same um, amount of years. I have lived in South India where I grew up. So every time I go back, I visit my town uh, and I go visit the temples or bazaar or meet people that uh, I would see in the streets over there, obviously crowded streets. I just feel like I'm that same old person, the 23, 20, the teenager that left that town. Yeah. It's so hard to believe that uh, that I'm not. And to my shock, all those other people don't look the same. They are really different <laughs> in age. And yeah. uh, it's just so hard to take that in. And, um, yeah. so I, 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 I love that, Farida. I love that so much. Thanks for, for sharing that story and for the sh- sharing the shock. Let me see if I can finish with Eric and Sausalito. Real quick, Eric, trying to squeeze you in here. You're on. Yeah, hi. So I'm 60, and I believe I'm 16 because when I was in high school, I was the star quarterback. I had a great girlfriend. I was a straight-A student. It couldn't have got better. So I, I, I was like, I don't want to get older. So the other thing I think is I think maturity is kind of a, a raw deal because you lose your childlike enthusiasm. I don't want to lose that. Uh, when people call me immature, I say, thank you very much. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I love also just the reminder to keep ourselves, keep that childlike curiosity because it is a really incredible thing. I've got a four-year-old and I just want them to stay that way forever. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the optimism, the glee. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jennifer, we are at the end, but if there is any final thought that we haven't touched on about what you want people to take away from this exploration of the discrepancy of the age in our heads and the age we are. Unfortunately, I think I've learned more than, than people might have learned from me. I mean, this has been amazing. Just your callers are um, terrific. I know. We have so said. much fun. Well, thank you for inspiring this whole conversation by putting that out there, something that when we read it, my producers and I were all like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jennifer Senior, staff writer at The Atlantic, the piece is The Age in Your Head, appears in the April issue of the magazine. And thank you, Susie Britton, for producing today's segment. Thank you, listeners, for sharing your stories and experiences. You have been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. I'll carry you home Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. 
Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.